celebrity Let your weary mind be free And someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello sleepyheads and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. As you know, dear sleepyheads, on this program, we invite guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. For one bedtime, we ask them not to bring their A game, but rather their Z game. It is a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply Relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Chris Gethard. He's going to talk with me about soda pop. Before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. We got this. With Mark and Hal is a weekly podcast where the hosts settle hotly debated topics, things that might even keep you awake, like whether ketchup should be on a hot dog, Star Wars or Star Trek, and the best as-seen-on-TV product. Mark and Hal provide objective answers to subjective questions posed by you, the listener. It's two longtime friends who love diving into the least controversial but most important arguments and have you nodding in agreement or shaking your head in disbelief. They're often joined by wonderful guests like Nathan Fillion, Paget Brewster, Paul F. Tompkins, the McElroy family, John Hodgman, and many more. That's We Got This with Mark and Hal on the Maximum Fun Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, for our sleeping companion this evening. Chris Gethard is an actor, writer, comedian, podcaster, and hero to many. To begin with, he made the leap from public access television to television television with The Chris Gethard Show, which first aired on New York's Manhattan Neighborhood Network before finding a home on the Fusion Network and True TV. As a comedian and monologuist, Chris has turned his struggles with mental health into comedy and an HBO special. But he's also experienced at putting folks to sleep. He hosted a podcast series that was backed by Big Mattress. And by that I mean... Casper, and by that I mean the mattress company and not the friendly ghost. And I'm told that his current podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, is popular among folks who are trying to sleep as well. Chris Gethard, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. Thank you so much for having me. It's a a joy to be here. I often fall asleep to a podcast about the Civil War because the voices are soothing, even though they often talk about amputations and people being directly hit by cannonballs. But all those people are are long gone now. They're not in any immediate danger. Yeah. A couple questions about sleep itself. What's the best night of sleep you've ever had? 
Oh, that's a fantastic question because I tell you, I have not been sleeping well lately. The past week or so, it's been an issue. Um, mm. I, I will tell you, I once, I once did a very. It was very fun, but poorly conceived project where I started in Los Angeles and hitchhiked across the country to get to Bonnaroo, just kind of accepting rides and places to crash from strangers, and we filmed the whole thing, mm-hmm. and. It was fun, but it also became very real very fast. Mm. And there were long days of being sort of stranded at, at highway rest stops and wandering through woods. And I once at, at one point fell asleep in a waffle house near the St. Louis airport, which is just a very sad sentence to say. Like that's how exhausted I was that I felt. Also kudos to the waffle house staff. No one said a word or checked on me or did anything. They just let me sleep. And the first night of sleep when I got home from that trip was a very, very good night of sleep. Mm. Do you sleep in the same position every night? Generally, I sleep on my side with my butt touching my wife's butt. Okay. All right. Well, um, one would ordinarily be advised to avoid uh, fizzy, sugary drinks before bedtime, but it's okay to talk about them. And I understand you are, I guess, a a soda enthusiast. First of all, are you a soda enthusiast, a soda pop enthusiast, or a pop enthusiast? I'm a soda enthusiast. I'm from New Jersey in the Northeast. But just that question alone starts to explain a lot of what I like about soda, in that it's not just a delicious drink, but it's also part of a food culture and folk culture and just everything you laid out right there puts a smile on my face thinking about which regions of the country call it by what names Hmm. do you know how the the american map then is apportioned and i understand in the south almost anything fizzy can be called a coke even if it is a pepsi that is my understanding is that um the north the Northeast is firmly soda country. Mm-hmm. The Midwest is where it becomes pop country. And when you get down to the Southeast, uh, it starts to become Coke country. And, and very often at a restaurant, you can order a Coke and then they'll say, what kind of Coke? And you might say Sprite. And that that's not an unusual thing. Wow. And I love that. I love that so much. Do you have a favorite soda? I have a few. Tell me about them in as much detail as you care to provide. Sure. There's a few. I'm not going to be apologetic about how deep I can dive into this question because there's, I would say that there's a few different ways to think about answering this question. As far as my favorite actual drink, just for drink's sake, there's a drink called Mr. Cucumber spelled M R period Q space. Cumber. Mr. It's bottled Q in f- Cumber. Mr. Q Cumber. It's pretty difficult to find. It comes in two different sized bottles. It's a light green fizzy beverage. It tastes a lot like a sugary cucumber. I have had many, many, many people in my life tell me that doesn't sound like something that would appeal to me. And then when they have actually tasted it, they're blown away at how much better it is than they think it's going to be. There's Mm. a similar soda 
uh, put out by the Dr. Brown's Company, which is very well known in the New York area, especially in Jewish jellies, called Celery, which is a celery-flavored soda. That one's a little heavier and more syrupy. Mr. Cucumber's very light and crisp and delicious, but it doesn't come close to being a seltzer. I need to be clear about that. It's not a seltzer. It is firmly a soda, and it lands on the side of that line in just a beautiful way. Now, that's the quality of the, of the drink itself, but I also like to think of sodas not just as the liquid that you drink, but as the story that they tell. Before we dive into the stories, can you yeah. explain the difference between seltzer and soda? Um, I'm sure there's a dictionary definition that I don't know. Okay. But I think that we can all imagine that seltzers are firmly water with flavorings, right. whereas sodas are carbonated drinks based more upon flavor syrups that dominate the water, right? Seltzer, I would say water is the dominant ingredient. Sodas, I would say that it's the flavor syrup that is the dominant profile that you're tasting. All right. A quick question on cucumbers and and the, the flavor of cucumbers. At, at some point in recent history, hotel lobbies became a place where you could yeah. find large decanters of water with sliced cucumbers in them. And I have always tried to figure out when that happened because one day I was just used to it and it just crept up on me. Do you know when that happened? Listen, I'm here to speak to sodas and I wish that I had knowledge of fair the hospitality industry's addiction to cucumbers. I've noticed it myself. That's but fair. I'm sure there's somebody out there who has Fut a real passion for cucumber water who, who could be your person. I'm, I'm sad to tell you it's probably not me. Future episode. I'm thinking yeah. Bill Burr. Um, you mentioned that you were fascinated by the stories behind sodas. What are some yeah. of the, your favorite stories behind sodas? So one of my favorite sodas doesn't exist anymore. And I'm oh. very happy that I got to taste it before it went away. Oh. It's called Dublin Dr. Pepper. Dublin now, Dr. Pepper. Like Dublin Irish Dr. Dublin? Pepper. It's got nothing to do with Ireland. Like okay. Texas Dublin. Like Texas Dublin. This is where the story starts to get oh. exciting. All right. Then. So a lot of the sodas that we know and love started in the era of soda fountains. And a lot of them were flavor concoctions that people claimed had medicinal properties. And oftentimes, if you trace their history back, it just comes back to one sort of wacky inventor coming up with a syrup and going around and peddling that syrup to soda fountains. And at that point, they'd blend the syrup with carbonated water right there at the soda counter. And, and you get... I, I, wish that I lived in an era where those were, you can still find them from place, time to time, but they're now kitsch. They used to play, be at the point where those were the standards in communities, and I wish that that was an era I lived in. But Dr. Pepper began, I believe, if I remember, in Waco, Texas, mm -hmm. and it spread from there. And as it became popular in Texas, uh, it was very well beloved in Texas before it became a national brand. And the way a lot of the, these sodas were distributed was you would find a bottling plant and they would have an area that covered a certain amount of square miles and that was their territory and that's what they covered. And there were a handful of these bottling plants spread throughout Texas. 
And as Dr. Pepper expanded and became the national brand that we know today, those original bottling plants were still functioning and they were still claiming their territories and they were grandfathered in under that old system. And one of them stood in this tiny town, Dublin, Texas, just kind of a very dusty old Texas area. You know, by my standards as someone who lives in the New York metro area, very remote place. Yes. So a very interesting thing happened in the late 70s, early 80s, which was you might notice that most of the sodas you buy in a supermarket today, they don't have sugar in them. They have corn syrup. And a lot of people might know, I think the big product a lot of people have taken to in the past few years is Mexican Coke. Yes. That nice glass bottle. You got to pop the top. It's not a twist off. And people really enjoy a Mexican Coke. And, and a part of why is because it's still made with sugar, not corn syrup. People claim they can taste a difference. And I do think it goes down smoother. Mm. Part of that is not a recipe choice based on taste. It's because... Sugar tariff laws change the price. Corn syrup's cheaper. So the soda companies started using that here. In some other countries where that wasn't the case, they continued to use sugar. Now, a lot of the soda companies, when they switched, they all got together and colluded to do it all at once. To basically say, if we all switch to corn syrup around the same time, and just make that the industry standard, there's a whole bunch of boring reasons how that benefits us. I'm not totally sure exactly what those are, but I know that this happened. Mm. Now, all these national brands switched to corn syrup. People were bummed out, except in Dr. Pepper's case, the Dublin bottling plant, one of these original Dr. Pepper contracted territories in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Tiny little place. I think they're... Territory was about 45 square miles around Dublin, if I believe. They said, you know what? While we appreciate what you're doing and it would save money to switch to corn syrup, we like what we make. We've been making it since the beginning. We're going to stick with the original recipe. Or we're going to stick with sugar. And people might remember these. Uh, about 10 years ago was when they went away. We'll get into that. But you might remember there were these sleek, slightly smaller glass bottles of Dr. Pepper that you'd sometimes find around in places that carried um, your more boutique sodas. And you'd see them smaller than a Mexican Coke and with a very cool packaging. It said the word Dublin above Dr. Pepper. It had a clock on the packaging and it looked old school because it genuinely was. Mm. And when you drank it, it really did taste different. And you realized, oh, Dr. Pepper used to be something different. Now, this was a product that people all over Texas started traveling to Dublin to make pilgrimages, to stock up on the original stuff. Because there were a lot of people going... I have all these great memories of this drink from when I was a kid in this specific type of bottle with this specific taste and the stuff we can get off the supermarket shelf now. I taste the difference. So people would drive for hours to Dublin, Texas to get their Dublin Dr. Pepper. And Dr. Pepper had no problem with this. They were into it. It was a kitschy thing. They would celebrate it. There would be Dr. There were Doc, Dublin Dr. Pepper devotees and they would often amplify the messaging of that. They thought it was cool that they had this old school little hub that was kind of a, a separate little wing of what they did. But then Mexican Coke started rising in popularity. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know this, around Passover in areas with Jewish populations, you can find kosher Coke uh, during Passover. You, you will some parts of the year see Coke with a yellow cap. That's to denote that it's kosher. And part of it being kosher is that it's not corn syrup. So Coke started making that because they were seeing a big sales dip in devout Jewish communities. And they said, we better cover our butts on this and have an option where we can still sell during times of the year where this is an issue. And they noticed that it wasn't just members of the Jewish faith. People started to realize that it had a different taste from the sugar and people were gobbling this stuff up. So then you started to see throwback Pepsi. And you'll see a lot of these very corporate sodas have some, you know, times of the year or some sections on the shelves where you'll see the ones throwback made with real cane sugar. Here's the Mountain Dew made with real cane sugar. You start to see that real cane sugar. And it's a slightly more expensive version of the item. Um, But people, I think, correctly or not, think that real cane sugar is somehow more healthy than corn syrup. I'm not certain about that. I don't know the science. People don't trust corn syrup in general, right? Right. Um, So people will lean into the idea of real cane sugar as somehow, at the very least, more pure or organic or less processed, Mm. whatever. People are buying this stuff up, and I do think there's a slight difference in taste. So in the way that corporate America does, the people at Dr. Pepper started issuing throwback Dr. Pepper with real sugar, and it was selling. Now, this is when it became a problem because at the same time that they realized they could be making some money off of this, they realized they had an issue that Mountain Dew didn't and Coke didn't which is that there was no one bottling those other products that had an unbroken lineage of working with the original formula. Mm. So you can see Coke puts out throwback Coke or Mexican Coke starts making its way over the border. And that's a good thing. Pepsi does throwback Pepsi and they're spending a little more, but they're charging more and the profit margins are higher on that product. And that's great. Dr. Pepper puts throwback Dr. Pepper on the shelves and a lot of people really like it. But a lot of people also go, you know, I've been driving to Dublin to get my real stuff. I don't necessarily need this throwback Dr. Pepper. They were competing with themselves. And this one little bottler had cornered the market on the nostalgia of it, the authenticity of it, the claim to the historical lineage of it. And it was an issue for them. Now, in what was probably a foolish move on their part looking back on it dublin dr pepper started accepting internet orders for their product at some point they started uh, shipping it to people outside of their 45 mile territory problem with this was that dr pepper the corporate side of it was able to step in and say you are now violating the charter that you've had since the beginning of our relationship together you're selling outside of your territory and that means we can revoke our working relationship you are no longer allowed to sell dr pepper and there was actually a court case titled and this is not a joke dr pepper versus dr pepper dr pepper the corporate dr pepper sued dr pepper dublin dr pepper and in what i think was just a a very illustrative 
this is why I start to really get into soda as well. Because first of all, I tasted that drink and it was fantastic. Secondly, I think a lot of people would say that we're living in an era where America right now, the story has become that of corporate greed versus common people. I think that that's a very true dialogue that a lot of people would say defines America right now. I mean, we have Elon Musk. We have... Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. We have, you know, I, I'm not trying to make light of it. I mean, we have people who have a quarter of a million dollars to drop on submarine rides and people who can afford to go fly to space now. And you can see tragedy struck with that submarine ride and a lot of people found it hard to find sympathy for this ultra frivolous wealth. And it was sad. It was sad all around to see. And I think you can look at the Dr. Pepper versus Dr. Pepper court case, which like I said, took place probably about a decade ago, maybe a little longer at this point. And I think that was an early canary in the coal mine of this dialogue of Walmarts are going to put Main Street out of business mm. and Amazon's going to put the corner stores out of business. And Dr. Pepper put Dr. Pepper out of business. Now, I, I think that that's a beautiful story. And there's not many types of food out there that could tell that story. And Dr. Pepper did. And, and Dublin Dr. Pepper was great. And I also just want to make sure I have on record, the company did not go under. They bottle all sorts of different flavored sodas now. And if you ever come across a bottle of Dublin soda... They've got a fantastic product line. Everything you grab, if it says Dublin on the bottle, that is a well-made soda. And not only do you get to enjoy a great soda, but know that you are actively supporting a company that went up against corporate greed, lost, and is somehow still surviving. Where did you taste Dublin Dr. Pepper? Dublin Dr. Pepper, I'm trying to think of the first place I tasted it. I will say that I'm not a Los Angeles hater. I'm a comedian who's always lived on the East Coast. And sometimes if you just stay on the East Coast long enough, people say you hate LA. I don't hate LA. I think it's a pretty great place. Mm -hmm. I never took to it personally, but that's fine as far as where I wanted to live. But one of my absolute favorite places on earth and a place that I make a point of stopping at anytime I'm in Los Angeles, if I, if I have a window of time, the first place I go is a supermarket called Galco's. Galco's. Very, very fascinating place. I think it's in, if I remember right, Eagle Rock, which is a little bit of a far-flung area of LA, Los Angeles. And it's another great story where, from from what I understand, the way it began is this. It was a supermarket, like any other small family-run supermarket. And a distributor, if I remember right, from Pepsi came in and said, we're raising your rates for Pepsi. And... The guy who owned the store is this guy named John Neese. Great, great man, if you ask me. Probably the human being who has been the biggest advocate and defender of soda on planet Earth. Hmm. And that's not a an hero, exaggeration. A hero to you then. A hero to me and other people who like a good fizzy drink. He basically said, well, why are you raising my rates? And they explained the philosophy. And, and, and he was able to suss out. He goes, so... It sounds like you're raising rates for stores of my size. What about Walmart? And he's like, well, no, we're not raising rates on the Walmart. And he goes, well, families shop here. And if, they're, if they really want Pepsi, I think I'll just do the right thing and tell them they can get it cheaper at the Walmart that's not that far away. I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable selling them this jacked up price version of a thing when I know they can just 
drive a few minutes and get it cheaper, that would be not kind to some of the families who shop at my store. And they kind of scoffed at him and they said, well, what are you saying? And he said, I'm, I think I'm telling you, I'm not going to carry your products. Mm. And he, he took away their shelf space in his store and that shelf space was empty. And he started researching other sodas that could fill that shelf space. And he started finding some of these regional small run bottlers and he started filling the shelf space and he became a bit obsessive about finding more and more of them. And then they started hearing about him and you can find sodas from all over the world, all over the country at Galco supermarket in the Los Angeles area. And if there's a soda that you want to try and you're having a hard time finding it, that's probably the place that will have it. If anyone does, are they going to have it stocked? all the time no and for me as someone who travels from three thousand miles away a few times a year it's kind of a fun almost like playing the lottery that i get out there and i go there's a list of things i've always wanted to try and he might have them in stock and he might not if anyone's going to it's him what am i going to be able to taste this trip um and his store at this point is probably 90 percent soda if i remember really? right the only things he sells at this point are soda some vintage candies and sandwiches. When you go to Galco and and purchase your sodas, you find the ones that interest you. How many bottles of or cans of soda do you purchase? Sleepyheads, it is time once more to tell you about another podcast available on the Maximum Fun Network, where we have the maximum amount of fun. Judge John Hodgman is a program that has the J sound in its name three times, and it has been dispensing justice for a decade. Judge Hodgman talks to real people with real disputes, such as, is chili a soup? How many frozen-themed snow globes is too many frozen-themed snow globes? And can a mother force her family to wear matching outfits on vacation. Judge Hodgman has fun, but behind each case, he gets at the true feelings about why, say, a man needs a massive tank of jellyfish in the family room. That's Judge John Hodgman, available on Maximum Fun, and wherever you get your podcasts. How many bottles of, or cans of soda do you purchase? Well, first of all, let's get that can nonsense right out the window. Okay. If I'm going to Galco's, and I'm not, I, I, that sounded harsh. I think I just came at you pretty hard. Okay. There's a big debate about this in the soda community. Right. Um, plastic versus cans versus glass bottles. And if I'm going to Galco's, I'm going glass bottles. And there's a reason why. Um, John Neese himself has said, I've watched videos where he said this, whatever gets put into a glass bottle, that is what comes out. There's no leakage. There's no air that goes in. There's no loss of fizz. Once that thing's sealed, you're tasting whatever that brewer meant for you to taste. Mm. Um, so I have to be clear. If I'm going to Galco's, it's glass bottles. Now, as far as how many, I'll tell you, I have run into an issue sometimes where when I go to Los Angeles, you, you have to keep in mind, I, f I do have to fly home at some point. Well, that was my question. Do you return to the hotel with seven or eight bottles and and, and put get them, disgusting and put get them disgusting. on a desk and get disgusting? And I start sampling 
it's so I start sampling. Sometimes I bring them to friends' houses, uh-huh. and we'll 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 split them up. But there have been a few very sad situations where it's exactly what you described, which is me in a hotel room by myself, drinking far too many sodas because I need to taste these things. And sometimes I have some discipline and I go, I'm not going to finish the whole thing. And sometimes I don't, unfortunately. Sometimes, yeah. Does it make a difference? It makes a difference that you're using a glass bottle. Do you need to use a glass or would a a mug do? Would a paper cup do? I would avoid a paper cup personally. Um, In an ideal world, I go straight out of the bottle and there's no transfer. Oh, what in goes into the world. bottle comes out of the bottle exactly. into your mouth. And I have a few friends who are also kind of fiends for soda or will at least entertain the conversation who I feel comfortable enough with, especially in the pre-COVID world, sharing the bottle, just passing the bottle. Mm. But more often if I'm sharing with a friend, the way to do it is you open the bottle, pour some into a glass, one person drinks from the glass, the other person drinks straight from the bottle. And that's also nice too because you get the very satisfying moment of hearing the fizz, which you don't always, when you crack open the bottle, you don't always hear the fizz. When you pour it into the glass, sometimes it, sometimes it's a real subtle, slow pop. Sometimes you get that though and you realize, oh, the carbonation on this is a big part of the puzzle. Mm. And... It's that it's that combination of flavoring and carbonation. For example, Mr. Cucumber, to bring it back to that. Sure. The flavor is so on point, but it's also a very pinpoint carbonation. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of it. These are not, you know, when you drink a Pepsi, the, that might sting your throat. And that might have that little harsh cola kick. Or, or even a better example for our purposes, Moxie. Which is a hugely popular oh, soda in Maine. In Maine. Yes. Parts of New England, but mostly Maine. And if you've ever had it, you know, people from Maine will talk about this stuff like it's a godsend. Like they drink it like water. But most people who didn't grow up with it, the first time you try it, it tastes medicinal and harsh and it stings your throat. And I think it's actually a pretty great drink, but man, do you have to get used to it? But you can see the people making the, these drinks, Mr. Cucumber sort of a light pinpoint carbonation that tickles the throat. Moxie has this harsh flavor and also I would say harsh bubbles. And that's a drink for, you know, that's a drink that people who live in extreme cold like and people who live in the woods like and people who the culture is logging and 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 lobster fishing and, you know, perfect storm style waves coming off the Atlantic. Like it's a harsh drink for a harsh people. Mr. Cucumber is a much newer soda, which with, without all the decades of legacy of that, but it's still, it's made in Florida, Mm. warm, laid back beach vibes, carbonation that I think reflects that Mm. to help deliver that flavor. Um, Yeah. When you, when you go again to to the galco do you are there flavors you return to because it was so good you want more of it or is it always uh, an exploration it's a combination there's a few things that i know i can get there that i will return to uh, mr cucumber the aforementioned being one of them you can always find it there in the larger sized bottle which i have only found at galco's 
Okay. Um, there's a smaller size bottle, and both are good. But the 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 larger, it's a sort of more pear shaped bulbous bottle, and it's great. It's really really great. The other company that I often return to when I go to Galco's is there's just outside of Pittsburgh. There's a bottling plant called the Natrona Bottling Works, Natrona, Pennsylvania, and I love a lot of their products. And Galco's usually has their entire line in stock. So if I'm not going to Pittsburgh that year, and it's still not the easiest thing to find, even in the Pittsburgh area, their most famous drink is called Red Ribbon. Very good. But they have a few other drinks I love. One is they have a ginger beer called Jamaica's Finest, which is probably the spiciest ginger beer I've had. And the label is beautiful. It's a beautiful old school soldier label. They also have a drink called Pennsylvania Punch. And I like that because that is very interesting, John. So there was a drink that was very popular in Louisiana called Delaware Punch. Mm. And it was a soft drink. Um, and you won't be shocked to hear, again, the story of corporate America is often told through soda. There are a lot of soft drinks that were popular regionally in their time that Coca-Cola bought and just stopped producing. Basically, if, if you were a soft drink that was expanding from regional to national in an organic way, if you were mm -hmm. gaining popularity, mm -hmm. there's a decent percentage chance that Coke was going to come in, throw a bunch of money at that company, and just shut it down. Then what happens is, in the case of Delaware Punch, named for the Delaware grape, not for the state. Oh, I was going to say, what's it doing in Pennsylvania? Yep. So Delaware Punch was shut down and largely hidden. Now you can find it in very small pockets of Louisiana, um, but before that, although I, my guess is that that was continuous, but basically at some point the Natrona Bottling Works people got their hands on that old recipe and started bottling Pennsylvania Punch as a tribute to Delaware Punch and revived this formula that had been shut down decades ago by Coke. And I really liked that they did that. It does not taste the same. I've had Delaware Punch. In my opinion, it's not great, but mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to seek it out, find it, and I found it in Louisiana in a bodega in what I would say was a section of New Orleans that I should not have been walking around by myself in. It was me and the comedian Joe Firestone. We were doing a show together in New Orleans. I dragged poor Joe all over New Orleans, and we finally found a deli that had it. And it was, it was ill-advised to just sort of... New Orleans, I think, is a city that a lot of people would say, if you don't know the lay of the land, you should be getting advice from people on where to go. And I violated that in the quest to find Delaware Punch. And then I didn't even like it that much. Pennsylvania Punch is kind of a new and improved reimagining of it, and Galco's always has that. And I love it. Do you find that it's more in the acquisition of the exotic soda than the actual enjoyment of the taste? Is it a is it a collecting thing more than a savoring thing? It's a combination. Uh, I can tell you without exaggeration that there was a point around 2010, 11, and 12 where I amassed what I would have to bet was one of the more badass collections of soda you were going to find on the east coast of america mm. i had crates and crates full of different bottles and i'd have friends over and we'd do tastings 
And then I moved a couple times and my wife accurately said to me, we cannot ask movers to keep carrying giant boxes full of glass bottles full of liquid. It stresses them out. You're never drinking them all. You have to chill. And also, you're going to give yourself diabetes. And I also had a dentist once. I opened my mouth and she said, you drink a lot of soda before anything. She knew instantly. I said, Not a okay, great sign. So there was a stretch where my collection was really on point and real I had spots all over the East Coast where I knew I could find some really rare stuff and then I was assembling it all into one place. And there's a whole world of collectors out there who try to figure out each other's spots and people who were contacting me asking me where I would get certain sodas that I would post photos of myself drinking. Some of those people I liked and trusted enough to share. Others, I'm like, I don't want you going and cleaning out the inventory on places that I know are are, are good spots. I don't know you or trust your intentions. Now, I also have some issues with paranoia. Mm. But I'll also say it's, so it's some combination of that sort of feeling of collecting. But I'll also say this too, is... I grew up in New Jersey, so I know what that experience is like. But I really try to be someone who wants to know about the world. It's helped me a lot, and it's helped my mental health a lot to want to know more about people and know more about how different people live and how they grew up and the things that we have in common, but also the things that we don't. So I'm going to say something that sounds very pretentious, but... There's also a part of me that feels like there's some empathy in soda. Because no matter where you grew up in the States, you have your soda that could only be found in your cases. And I never want that to go away. Like in Northern New Jersey, there's a brand called Boylan's. And a lot of people have probably seen Boylan's nationwide, but in Jersey, you see all the different flavors. That company was started in Patterson, New Jersey. That's 20 minutes from where I grew up. That's special to me that I grew up with that. Now, if I go and do a show in Detroit, and I drink Werner's ginger ale before the show, which is one of the best sweet ginger ales you'll ever have, I go, there's a part of me that just had an experience that every person in this crowd had because they all grew up drinking Werner's. Mm. And then you start to find out for some of them when they'd get sick, their grandmas would serve them warm Werner's. And that was a very common folk remedy. You know, you start to learn that in parts of the South, there's sometimes a tradition where you drink half a bottle of Coke then you fill the bottle up with peanuts, you swish it around so that the Coke that's still left in there mixes with the peanuts, and then you drink the Coke out from under it and eat the peanuts, and it's delicious. Mm -hmm. And if I go and do that when I'm traveling in the South and I have to get up on stage and talk to people and meet them where they're at, there's something that I think is very real to be said for. Part of meeting people where they're at is, let me eat at a local restaurant. Let me eat something that I can only find here. I think a lot of people might go, well, if I'm in Chicago, I'm going to eat dip, deep dish pizza. And I go, I do that too. But I also go and drink Green River Soda, mm. which is a soda that was, um, if I remember the story right, it was a beer brewery that during Prohibition converted to making this very electric green lime flavored soda and just never went back. And I go, there are people in Chicago who grew up on Green River, but there's people outside of Chicago who have never heard that this exists. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing to me. It, uh, the sodas are a piece of people's stories. 
And when you consume them, you're showing a little bit of respect for their story. Do you know if there are any pickle-flavored sodas? Pickle-flavored sodas. Um, Mr. Cucumber, I suppose, is a form, you know. A, a, yeah, and it's a non-fermented pickle in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall ever having a pickle-flavored soda. There is a chain called Rocket Fizz, divisive place in the soda community. Mm-hmm. I like Rocket Fizz. I like what they do. They stock a lot of the regional brands I'm talking about. They're also the ones, though, they bottle their own sodas. That they, They're the ones who bottle the ranch dressing flavored soda that you'll sometimes see go viral on the internet. Oh. These sort of like gross, weird flavors. I wouldn't be surprised if they've tried a pickle soda. I would say the strangest flavor that I've found um, that wasn't that, that wasn't a gimmick, that was a real attempt at making a drink was... There is a company that makes a spruce beer. We all know spruce root beer. And but this was beer. Yeah, like birch beer or root beer. There's a yeah. spruce beer. And when I saw it, I said, wow, I have to try it. And I've had it uh, two or three times now. And I have friends who like it and have gone to bat for it. I am put off by it. My wife once described it as drinking the water out of a Christmas tree stand. And I thought that that was an accurate summation of the flavor. But I have had friends, I don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. I've had friends who do tell me, oh, this would be a fantastic mixer for like a gin drink if you cut this with some gin. So I think maybe it has more practical applications as that. But as far as taking a swig from the bottle, that stuff's very intense. So what are what are some other cities where you go for a particular... Uh, a particular t- type of soda. When you get to that city, you say, ah, I'm here. This is what I need to get. Uh, some of the ones I haven't mentioned yet, you know, we've got Dublin in Texas. We've sure. got Moxie up in the Northeast. I mentioned Verner's in Detroit. I would also say Fago in Detroit. A lot of people only know Fago as a joke now because the insane clown posse sprays right. it on their crowds. Right. But Fago, Rock and Rye, beautiful soda. Wow. Moon Mist, great soda. Fago has great sodas. Uh, when I go to North Carolina, I'm seeking out Cheerwine. I'm seeking out Blenheim's Ginger Ale. I'm seeking out New Grape Grape Soda. These are North Carolina classics. I was just uh, in North Carolina um, traveling to a wedding in Tennessee. We stopped at a barbecue place, and my wife and daughter got Cheerwine. Delicious. And wouldn't stop talking about it for the remainder of the trip. And Cheerwine's great. It's a cherry, cherry type of soda. It's a cherry soda. It's it's in. I think a lot of people who have only drank supermarket sodas would say it's kind of in the Dr Pepper family, mm. but more pronounced cherry flavors and very smooth. And mm. people make cheer wine floats in North Carolina. Cheer wine with vanilla ice cream, they delicious. Do. You can go to the uh, the cookout uh, fast food chain and they'll they'll get you a cheer wine float. I would also say in. Um, uh, Kentucky and other parts of Appalachia, you'll find a soda called Dr. Enough that I really love. Dr. Enough? Dr. Enough. Um, very good. That was one of the ones that sort of died out because they had made a lot of claims of being some sort of health elixir. Oh. And when the feds stepped in, a lot of sodas, part of how Coke came into its dominance was they never did that. Coke mm. never made any medicinal claims. So a lot of these other companies took a huge hit when the government stepped in and said, stop claiming these things are medicine. It's water and sugar at the end of the day. Right. Um, 
So, so that's part of how Coke found this wide open lane at a certain point. Coke itself has a fascinating history too. It was pretty, there was once efforts in Congress to regulate Coke because it was most popular initially in the black community and therefore was sort of demonized in a way that was reflective of them being an extension of the black community. And there was all these rumors that it had real cocaine in it. People still debate how true that was. And there are people who are saying it was a, a drug and needed to be outlawed. And you can see that before it broke through as a, as a sort of mainstream middle American drink, it mm. went part and parcel regarded as an African-American drink. And I mean, congressional oversight into Coke as this demonized thing. As far as other regions, um, there's a soda from Texas called Big Red. That's a huge drink in Texas that, that unless you're a Texan or a soda fan, you might not know about. I like the Nesbitt's brand out in California. Uh, those are some of the ones that come to mind right out of the gate. And then I mentioned Dr. Brown's Celery before, but when you're in New York City, when you go, you know, if you go to a Jewish deli like Katz's is, Second Avenue Deli, I forget if that one's still open, but you'll see Dr. Brown is a very great traditional drink to have if you're sitting there eating like a pastrami sandwich or any of the great stuff they serve in those delis. Mm. Um, Manhattan Special is another New York City. That's a soda, that's a coffee soda made in New York, uh, made in Brooklyn for many years. Those are some of the ones that, that jump to mind. I, I could keep going, but those are some of the ones that jump out immediately. I think about this, um, the Flamin' Hot Cheetos movie that recently came out and seems to have been uh, well-received. Do you ever think about uh, writing a screenplay, developing a TV series based on one soda's story? And if, if so, which soda would it be? Wow. That's a great question, and I've never considered it. Um. <clears throat> I mean, the immediate question becomes, is this sort of an animated story where the sodas are anthropomorphic in a way? A character in itself. Because you could make, I think, a thrilling sort of Aaron Brockovich-esque story about the Dr. Pepper versus Dr. Pepper scenario in mm. Dublin. But if I was to anthropomorphize them, I mean, Dr. Enough right away could be the doctor. Um, who are the other ones that have sort of character names already? Dr. Enough. Mr. Uh, Pibb. Mr. Cola. Well, Mr. Pibb is a little too corporate for me at this point, but there mm. is a Mr. Cola. Mr. Cola is a very good cola drink, by the way. All right. Um, those ones jump out. Mr. Cola and Dr. Enough, they could be a crime-fighting duo. I'd root for them. <laughs> the, are there any Mrs. Sodas, or are they all Doctors just, and Mr.? I was just trying to rack my brain on that, and yeah, I don't know that there's any feminized soda names that come come to mind right off the top of the head i suppose i'll probably be kicking myself if i i'll probably think of one later and kick myself but yeah i think it's less common i suppose if you carbonate mrs butterworth's you could have something going i have had maple sodas and they're delicious i i, I must apologize of course doctors can be women as well so Indeed. dr pepper could be a woman dr enough could be a woman dr enough could be a woman i'm i'm that was some sexist thinking on my part. Um, when did your love affair with sodas begin? My love affairs with so my probably about at this point between ten and fifteen years ago, for oh. a few reasons. Was one, 
As I mentioned, I haven't drank alcohol in 23 years. And it's nice to be addicted to something, you know? I do have that personality, sad to say, and this is probably a healthier addiction. Um, there's another aspect of it too, which is that I found that I could go to parties and if I brought a bunch of glass bottle sodas for the cooler, I would have something to drink where I could be holding a glass bottle and I would stand out a little less. Mm -hmm. And also that often became a conversation topic. Um, the other sober people in the room and sometimes even drinkers in the room would be like, what is this? I've never seen, or someone would walk up and go, is this a bottle of Cheerwine? I'm from North Carolina. Who brought Cheerwine to this party in New York? And it would, it would become a conversation topic. And a lot of that, I want to give credit. There's um, a company called Bruce Cost. And Bruce Cost is this man who is obsessed with ginger. And he makes this ginger ale. And it started showing up in bodegas and delis in New York about 15 years ago. And it was very distinctive because it was very clear. The glass bottle was clear and then the liquid itself was clear. But there was a visible about an inch at the bottom of actual chunks of ginger. And you'd get the bottle and you'd flip it gently a couple times so as to not make it explode with fizz to just get that ginger laced throughout the drink. And I started drinking this stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so clearly better than any other ginger ale I've ever had. Um, that I started to realize that there were people putting a lot of thought into certain types of sodas. Mm. And then you started to, I, I started to notice, like I said, certain stores where, okay, like a lot of people I think would agree, like you can get the root beers we all grew up with off the store shelves, but then you start to notice this stuff, Virgil's, right? And Virgil's. And then sometimes, oh, these guys don't just have Virgil's ginger ale or uh, Virgil's root beer they also have Reed's ginger ale oh and they have a spiced apple soda that comes out around the fall okay that's interesting and you start to realize oh if I'm gonna grab the Bruce Cost ginger ale instead of the Seagram's or whatever and I'm gonna grab the Virgil's instead of A&W mm. you start to notice it a little more it's and then when you way. walk in and then you walk into a store where you go and you know some of the great ethnic sodas to that part of being a New Yorker what is this? What is Ting? Ting is a grapefruit soda that's popular in a bunch of Caribbean nations, but because there's Caribbean populations, a lot of bodegas in New York carry them. Okay, grapefruit soda. That's interesting. That's a that's a more interesting thing for me to have in the fridge than sun kissed orange, you know? And Fresca. then you start to have guests, you start to realize other people who like this stuff, and then it really spirals spirals from there. Uh, our producer, Laura Swisher, would like to know if you're familiar with something called Lester's Fixins. Lester's Fixins is the brand I mentioned that Rocket Fizz produces. So, I see. again, uh, very divisive. And and look, I'm a 43-year-old father. Yes. If you asked me about Lester's Fixins 10 years ago, I might start to get a little angry. Yeah. I don't think it's a thing to get angry about at this point, but... My issue with Lester's Fixins and what I think a lot of soda, let's be honest, snobs. This is a very pretentious conversation sure. about a working class drink. I think a lot of the problem is if Lester's Fixins wants to make like an alien booger flavor soda, <laughs> great. If they want to make ranch dressing flavored soda, corn flavor, they want to make a Rowdy Roddy Piper themed bubblegum soda, great. I love it. I Free like country. that they do those things. My issue becomes that they will also very often 
put out some sodas that have the look and feel and appearance of a vintage soda brand mm. while not being that. Ah. And to me, there's a little bit of an ethical quandary there, which is when I buy a bottle of, you know, let's say cheer wine. Sure. I can look up the history of that country, company and I can know when it started and I can see how many times it's transferred ownership and I can see, you know, some of these places have been bought out by larger soda brands. There's, there's a company called Orca Beverage. I believe they're based out of the Pacific Northwest and they've done a really great job of buying up a lot of the formulas of these sodas that had gone dormant um, over the years and they bring them back and they bottle them and I think that's a very good-hearted company. So you can see... Some of these companies have survived. Oh, I almost forgot. One of my favorite sodas is called L81. That's a Kentucky soda. Um, oh. L81 is, last I checked, the only remaining soda that you can do the old school, take it back to a place that will refill it and recap the bottle for you, the refillable bottles. Oh. It used to be a standard thing. It has survived all these decades and they're the only ones left that do it where you can go to certain places that have it on tap and they'll fill your bottles for you and they'll seal the bottles back up. L81 is a delicious ginger drink with some apple flavor. Absolutely incredible. L81. A-L-E-8-O-N-E. A late one is the pun. Have a late one. Have this at the end of the night, you know? And... You can see my issue with Lester's Fixins. Like when there's something like L81 out there yeah. that's survived and is doing it in a traditional way and that will end someday. I haven't looked up recently if there's any places that will still even refill your bottles, but I have some of those refillable bottles because to me that's a special thing. When there's things like Moxie and Boylan's and Dr. Brown's and Cheerwine and New Grape and, and these brands that have survived and these places like Natrona Bottling Works and and Mr. Cucumber trying to do new things in the market that aren't corporate to me those are stories that should be told in a way that's not muddled and for Lester's fixins to do gimmicky sodas but to slap a label on it that makes it look like it has sort of a 1950s retro kitsch feel I feel like you're trying at, you're at that point Selling a soda, that's fine, but it's not as good as the real version of the company that's survived since the 1930s, 40s, 50s. And you're taking up the oxygen in the room of the people who want to buy that sort of thing. Mm. So you're emulating a thing that's out there that's real and that needs consumers to embrace it. So sure, you want to make your bubblegum flavored soda, do it. That's honest. I know what that is. Roddy Roddy Piper. I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Roddy Roddy Piper on the side of the bubblegum soda. I get the joke. I like it. Yeah. It's a kitschy, fun thing. But when they start to make the sort of faux retro move, I go, there's enough places that are still alive and kicking in that space that I don't need a fake version of that. I find it to be a very strange thing for a company that is so soda positive to do. And I know I just said the word soda positive. Yeah. And I really hate that I have it in me to even take it that seriously. But there is truth to it. 
I look at what happened to the Dublin Dr. Pepper company. I go, we can't have kitschy fake versions of it when there's battles like that being fought in recent memory, in my opinion. Well, we love your soda positivity, Chris Gethard, and, and we recognize that soda, perhaps to an alarming degree, is in your blood and fizzing there. Yeah, I've had to, I, I, I will tell you, I had to slow down because it was becoming clear to me I was drinking so much soda that I was going to die younger from soda. And that was being made clear to me by dentists and doctors and people who love me. So I've had to slow down, but I still love it. Moderation. Moderation and, and small sampling. I've heard rumors that it's a good idea. Chris Gethard, thank you so much for being with us, and good night. A joy. Thanks for having me. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about soda and corporate intrigue as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Chris Gethard right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, John F. Neese is a soda lover's hero who looks out for the little guy. Two, big soda in the U.S. switched from using sugar to corn syrup because capitalism. Three, don't make the mistake of assuming Delaware Punch is named after the state. It's named after the grape. Four, Coke with a yellow cap means it's kosher, and it's made with sugar, not corn syrup. And finally, Chris Gethard does not want your canned soda. He's a bottle man. Okay. I'm going to turn in myself here. Thank you for sleeping with me and with Chris Gethard. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter and TikTok using the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email, where you can reach us, perhaps with suggestions of whom you would like to sleep with on the show, is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Our music is provided by the Winterbowers. Our production intern is Clara Flesher. Social media assistance provided by Charlie Moe. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. This program is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night-night. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.